Hey guys, and welcome back to the FHOH podcast, the number one and only AFL Draft Stars podcast that I know of. If you're listening, I hope you're doing well, and as you all probably know by now, I'm Husey, and I'm joined by Todd. Today we'll be breaking down tomorrow's game of the 90k slate between Brisbane versus Collingwood, which Draft Stars is offering. Super keen for it. How are you going, Todd? Yeah, going well, Elliot. Probably not as good as you after last weekend, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, last week was uh, another really good week for me, which I'm uh, super happy with, super pleased with. Um, we'll get into that a bit, but um, how'd you go? Um, not too bad. I think my uh, best finish was in the Friday night game. I actually... Um, did something a little bit different. I had a bit of time on Friday, so I thought I'd give the cruncher a bit of a go and play in the um, Buck Hunter, which is a uh, yeah one dollar entry slate, and I entered the maximum teams on that, and I think I yeah it just proved that the cruncher does work sometimes because I think I had a I'm just trying to get it up here, but I'm pretty sure I finished second or third in that oh nice yeah th- is that is sorry is you're gonna have to refresh my memory on that what is that the name of the comp buck hunter yeah because i assume yeah because it costs a dollar for an entry yeah okay um yep. so yeah i had third 12th 25th 45th um and yeah got a lot of teams in the money which i ended up cashing uh around about $172.50 from 100 entries. So I suppose if I was doing that in the main slate, it would work out to be probably, I don't know, 1500 into 3000 or something along those lines. Yeah. So, or a bit less than that. But yeah, I, I had a bit of a go at it, did all my projections for every player and then plugged them into the cruncher and sort of tinkered with it, which you can hear about how to use that in the first episode we did. Um, I sort of ran through it and I did everything that I basically wanted to with that and thought I'll leave it up to see how it goes. And yeah, finished out all right. But I actually finished 42nd in the main slate. But funnily enough, because I was doing those crunch teams, it sort of puts them all into like this section on draft stars. And because of that, I accidentally entered the same team twice in the main slate. And it just happened to yeah, be right. the best team I had. So <laughs> I finished 40 second twice for 150 bucks. So it turned out to be 300. Yeah, nice. Well, that's definitely one way to go about it with the cruncher. I'm a bit more, I don't know, I take a different route and I do my own. You know, I, I play pretty aggressively. I know Winra has mentioned this before, but I do a lot of five or six player stacking and try to fill the gaps with um, some point of difference. Um, picks I kind of follow my own template I kind of you know I have like a pretty good general idea of what I really like and then I kind of do some left field picks and it's it's been working for me recently Um, obviously yeah Sunday uh, loving these single game Sunday slates involving the Eagles man Um, I mentioned last week I wouldn't be visiting Perth ever again but at this rate I might buy a house there Uh, (laughs) coming coming uh, second in the Dockers versus Eagles single game slate um, which is a first and a second in two weeks back-to-back on the last Sunday night involving the Eagles. So super pleased with that. And then as that was going on, I was pushing for a first in the all-day slate, but fell short and came seventh out of 6,538 people. Um, a very well-known contestant, I Love Lamp, 
finished first, second, third, and fourth. And he had um, Jack Bowes and Tom Stewart um, with the differential picks he had, um, but had the exact same rest of the team compared to mine. And I was pretty, I was pretty upset about that because I um I stacked Tom Stewart and Bowes um in other teams, but I just didn't get lucky enough to get that correct combination in that team. You know how you just because you sit down on Saturday morning, you're into like so x amount of teams, and you're just trying to like plug heaps of teams in. And I just didn't put Jack Bowes and Tom Stewart in that one. It was um one of those things, but super super successful day in the end. Um. It was a really, really good weekend, I reckon, for everyone. I'd just say as well, like, if you were using the cruncher and did learn how to use it, you can actually, like, lock Tom Stewart and Jack Bowes into teams. So, like, basically, you just put those two guys in as your two defenders and then you can crunch however many teams you want around that. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, so, it's, like... It's obviously a lot of tinkering and stuff. It's not just a case of like crunching a hundred and then picking all those. You've got to tinker with the settings a lot. And also doing your projections for every player takes ages. Like I did it on the single game slate because it's obviously only 44 players. But if you do it on like a Saturday, that's a lot of time you need to sort of do that. And then if you have a laid out, you've got to sort of tinker with it all again because obviously everyone's sort of roles change potentially yeah. so uh, that's definitely a downside of it isn't it like i'm i'm really happy with the st- strategy i go in with at the moment but i would be pretty keen to um learn about the cruncher a bit more but um yeah so if if we want to continue on we'll um start with last uh, week's Thursday night winner who was off the map who actually finished a place above me on that Sunday all game slate he came 6th so he's very good at this thing we call AFL draft stars Shout out to Off The Map. Um, I've seen his name pop up quite a lot throughout recent years. Um, he had a few standouts. Uh, looking at his team here, he had a Harris Andrews, which was a very popular pick amongst us. I know we touched on that, how doggies leaked to tall backs. Um, Andrews actually had a very good start to the year. He's um, racking up some big scores, but I don't, I don't expect him to continue that. So that might be a fade for me coming into tomorrow, but we can touch on that in a bit. Um, he also picked Libba, uh, which was my favorite player, one of my favorite players I we mentioned last Wednesday night uh, being cheaper than the other primo mids. Have you had a look at his team? Yeah. The only one that sort of stands out to me that I was pretty hot on um, that you sort of had to include was Oscar Baker. I thought he was pretty obviously the best pick that you were going to have to plug into that midfield that was cheaper to be able to get some of the other guys. So. Not surprised yep. that he had him, given he scored 88. He absolutely smashed his value. And yeah, if you didn't have him, I can't imagine you would have been in the money much because he was probably about 40% owned looking at looking at that there. So yeah, it's um, it's obviously a pretty, pretty uh, interesting team there, but not surprising that it's off the map. As you mentioned, see him a lot. He's probably... We had Dennis on the uh, space on Sunday and he calls blokes like this um, sharks because they just enter heaps of teams and they always pop up near the top of the leaderboard. So Dennis doesn't play the slates. He plays the uh, the uh, little stakes, which is probably not a bad idea. We, we get uh, too sucked into the money on offer, I think, sometimes. There's probably better ways to gradually make money out there than just plugging into the... Um, yeah, big prize pools every time, but 
definitely different ways to go about it and everyone's everyone's you know got their own way of you know attacking things and what they think's the best route for them and everyone's got different mindsets and all this off the map's been probably playing for ages and but um shout out to dennis because he's been one of our better um twitter followers he engages with us nearly every weekend jumps into the um spaces and asks some really good questions and we love that um the twitter space has been a huge thing for us when we can't make podcasts or find the time for them we just jump up on uh twitter and i think we're getting like 15 or so people in there on short notice um some of them engaging with us some requesting to talk on mic and um i've been really enjoying it um yeah i think it's um, it can only get better i mean Draft Stars is still relatively new to a lot of people. Um, there's a big sort of gap between that and sort of the fantasy world at the moment. I think they'll come together eventually. So it was good to see that we're getting um, obviously some players that play regularly. I think when I was on on Saturday and Sunday, I think I saw a few of the same names pop up and they seemed to stick around for the whole thing. So pretty positive that yeah yeah, like we've obviously got a bit of a community out there that play daily fantasy and hopefully it only grows yeah i was just laughing to myself because um uh, we 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 give a a lot of good insight out and knowledge and stuff but you know when we say something a bit off um in terms of you know what people disagree with on uh player picks and whatnot we don't just see someone dip out of the Twitter space, they generally <laughs> stick around, which is um, it's definitely a good sign for us. Yeah, so we're mate. doing our when, job well. When so, someone like yeah. me is giving out Tom Stewart twenty nine out of thirty teams, which would have uh, had to have been the best suggestion of the weekend after what he scored. So, you know, yeah, they should be I just, jumping on I, there. I did, yeah. I had about seventy percent of Tom Stewart, but that thirty percent, I was just trying to be a little bit different from the field. Hopefully, he get hope, hoping he gets subbed out in the third. Or another reoccurring injury. It's like when you're into quite a few teams, you try to cover all bases. But someone like you um, stuck to your guns and um, stacked the shit out of him. And uh, that's respect. That's respect right there. Big balls on him. <laughs> kind of like me with Sean Darcy on Sunday. Oh, God. But we'll get into that in a bit. Um, we're going to start off our first segment today. Um, ex-girlfriend, falling hard and blacklist segments. Um, I'll start us off. My ex-girlfriend is Andy Brayshaw with a 90. Um, I took him in a lot of teams, and I'll be thinking about playing you against Adelaide this week. Did you have any ex-girlfriends that you were considering taking home to your parents? Yeah, well, just on the Andy Brayshaw one, he I think he only scored like 10 in the first quarter or something. So the fact that he ended up pumping out a 90, I mean, that was sort of a bit of an outlier. He started real slow. It was un-Andy Brayshaw-like, so I would definitely be going back to him as well this weekend. Hopefully his price drops maybe a little bit on the back of that. Um, It probably won't, though, because they're playing the Crows. I haven't actually had a look, but I assume it'll probably stay around the same mark. Um, In terms of my ex-girlfriend, I'm going with a guy that surely his role's got to increase soon, Hunter Clark. His time on ground was down again. I thought this was going to be the week we'd see a little spike, but he was actually played the second least amount of minutes for the Saints on the weekend, which with Steele out, I thought maybe he'd get a little spike. He got a little spike in the CBAs, but still not 
where I expected it to be. So hopefully this week, perhaps, they're playing Gold Coast. I think that sort of opens up a pretty good opportunity at Marvel. I saw a stat today that Marvel's the second best ground for scoring at the moment behind a ground that's only had one game, I think. Oh, yeah, the Hawthorne North game. So Launceston's the top. But there's only been one game there, and we know how some of those Hawthorne players scored. So outside of that, it's been Marvel, which has been the best scoring ground. So Saints against Gold Coast, Marvel, Hunter Clark, if he plays back or midfield, I'd be expecting him to hopefully smash his price point that won't have gone up much from last week. Yeah, around drifting around the 8.5k mark. And I'll be with you on that one because I played a ton of Hunter Clark. I reckon he was with... um with all the other template players I had, I, I jammed them into about 60 or 70% of my teams as well. So I was pretty um, devo about him having a small, small, smaller role and less time on ground. But hopefully, like you said, it increases. Um, moving on from that, um, falling hard. My ex-girlfriend last week, Sean Darcy, you're coming back home with me, big fella. <laughs> you are coming back home. I've fallen Madly, deeply in love with you, mate. Um, that one ex-girlfriend <laughs> that you go back to, um, even with a prolonged benching in the third quarter, I think it was 10 minutes he was out for, which was, I was sweating hard because I was pushing so hard on um, both the single and all-day game slates where I finished high. I had him in 80% of my all-day teams and 100% of my single game slates. And I was just hoping that I could beat these players who had Grundy in the ruck above mm. me on the all day. And I was pretty I was pretty pissed that he was on the bench again for 10 minutes. I don't know what's going on with the Frio rotations, honestly. But I promised to back you in, big fella, and follow through with that promise. And I've, I've fallen again for you, mate. So, well done. I had a lot of him as well. I probably... I get sucked in sometimes. Like, I knew he was going to be the best pick with that Eagles matchup it was it seemed relatively obvious but I just get spooked by the fact that there's obviously other options in the ruck that could potentially play well as well like Grundy I think I had a bit of uh Jared Witts as well but really Sean Darcy was 20% owned if I just went with my gut and like you played him in basically all your teams bar a few I did play him in about seven, I think, out of sort of 15, but really it probably should have been around 11 or 12 to mm. sort of get ahead of the field on that because I can't believe he was only 20% owned. Everyone, That's yeah, a typical yeah. ex-girlfriend. Everyone got spooked by the week before, well, but he had the that, most favorable it. matchup in the whole weekend. That's it. And what helped his case was Grundy was solo rucking at... Um, less than a K more. I think Darcy was 13.3 off memory and Grundy was like 13.7 or something. He was like a few hundred dollars more. Um, and then you obviously had the solo ruck, Jared Witts against Geelong. Mm. And I think Grundy was the most popular, but I couldn't believe it when I saw the um, yeah, 20% of teams with Sean Darcy. I Maybe I... Maybe I got it. Just got it right, I guess. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have anyone for your falling heart? Yeah, I'm really hot on this guy at the moment. I watched this game on the weekend, and he just seems to have the perfect role at the moment. And that's um Darcy McPherson. 
He finally mm. seemed to put it together on the weekend. He's had some hot starts in the first couple of weeks and then sort of faded out of it. But he's playing that sort of role where he's sort of hitting up out of the kickouts and getting a few plus sixes that way. Um, yeah. He's obviously part of that sort of run and spread off half back, but then also getting involved in sort of the chipping chains across half back as well. So I'm really loving his role at Gold Coast and I can't see it changing much. And it's good to see that even though Will Power's back and obviously Lockie Weller's back there now, his role didn't yeah, change much. It seemed Yeah, that's big to know. Yeah, yeah. It seemed to stay stay the same. So I'm not sure um what his price this week. I'll I'll have a bit of a look while we get on to the next segment and I'll come back and work it out because I can't imagine he'll be at the same price as last week. I think he was around that 10K. He's probably had a little nah. bit of a spike, but I think against the yeah. Saints, we've seen how they set up behind the ball. It could be a good play this weekend again. I imagine other people will be going there as well, but people might get spooked by the price if he has spiked, which... Um, yeah, it could be a benefit to the people that are willing to go there again. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just d- love the definitely. I love the role. He's at nine point four k. Yeah, well, he was eight and a half last week. Um, yeah, wow. And for the first the first three rounds, he was eight and a half. I'm pretty sure because I had him, I picked him at least ten percent of teams like every week, and he was in the optimal for the all day last week when I came seventh. So. Darcy, yeah, I was really hot on him as well. And if he's, you know, still at that point versus a leaky Saints back line, then lock him in for, uh, you know, quite a few teams, I reckon. He's got, um, he just gets very favourable stats as well, like nine marks last week, five in the two weeks before that. And then he's had around the sort of 20 to 25 disposal mark with more than 75% of those or yeah, around two-thirds to three-quarters of those are kicks. So that's exactly what you want out of a guy that plays that sort that sort of position because, yeah, it's... um He's just a running machine, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, well, he's always been stuck it's... in that sort of four-pocket role and you knew he had sort of potential. Like, he always would pop up and have a pretty good game, but obviously that position's a lot harder to play than the one he's in now. So, I don't know. I'll be going back there this weekend probably significantly, I would say. Yeah, cool. Um, and the final one before we get on to the um, Collingwood versus Brisbane game script, I'll start us off with this one, the blacklist. I'm not going to touch on it for long because I'm actually pissed off with this guy. Um, and I think we can all agree on that. Tanner Bruin, I don't even know why I even thought about playing <laughs> you last week. I have nothing else to say. Won't be playing you again. Sick of being burnt by you. Uh, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. How about you, mate? Uh... I don't know about him, yeah. T- tell me it's the same. Tell me you've got the same. No, I don't have him, but I oh, don't, yeah, I God. am a bit over it as well. But given he's in a single game, is he in a single game slate this week? Or no, he might. Yeah, he is on Monday. So given he's in a single, you're going to have to go back there, I think. Nah, man. <laughs> he's going to have the role again if he gets picked. Like, they're trying to blood him as that midfielder. He's 7.6K now. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> I absolutely ridiculous. I guarantee you you'll be going back there. But um, <laughs> mine this week is Andrew McGrath. I'm just over that guy, honestly. Mm. He actually scored like not bad at 78. He, I think he was yep. priced around the 12K mark. It's not a terrible score, but 
he just doesn't seem to hit a ceiling anymore. He's just always either like around the 80 to 90 mark. Like there's nothing bigger than that that comes from him. And there's just too many mouths to feed in the back line. If that's his yep. role, it's just how can you pick how can you pick one? Like I'd much rather go for a Redmond or a Ridley because at least they have the ceiling when they go off and um, get involved in a lot of those a lot of those um, plus sixes, but yeah. Yeah, the um, the thing is, um, the the week that you don't play him, he will hit that 120. <laughs> we know he's all capable of it. Yeah, I know. Um, Maybe back when he was playing in the midfield. I just don't know about this role he's playing now. Like, Yeah, no, nah, fair point. I guess with setters in there, it's even harder to get him a place in there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just... This is like stemming from years on years of picking him and just never getting him when he goes <laughs> off. So I'm just a bit yeah. sick of it. We've all got those blokes. Um, but moving on, um, game strip tomorrow night, Collingwood versus Brisbane. We've got Collingwood at two and a half point favourites at the Gabba. Um, the forecast is mostly sunny with a minimum of 18, max of 29. Should be perfect conditions for footy. Um, in saying that, I don't know if I can trust bomb <laughs> it's uh been given i don't know if i can trust anyone with the weather i think you need to live there to actually know um i've just been getting all sorts of different news over the last weeks about the weather at different games um I've, it's been it's set me off a little I don't bit i think the um, weather's but, really uh, affected any game either except maybe that friday night one last week where it rained sort of prior to the bounce in the first sort of bit of that game but even that game turned out to be all right by after half time, so I mean, at this rate, at this rate, mate, I don't know what's more reliable, bomb or Swinney, because <laughs> I'm just, I just don't know. Yeah. Or our, but our mate up in the Gold Coast, Dennis, he, uh, he <laughs> yeah. seems to be all. He's on the wrong day, he's, mate. <laughs> he's using the uh, Gold Coast forecast to give him Sydney weather updates. So yeah. Anyway, um. The ins and outs, one big change, uh, but besides that, nothing critical. Uh, Jackson Pryor in, Fort and Ainsworth out, and then for Collingwood, McInnes uh, is in, and Darcy Cameron did his knee, which means McStay will be taking the ruck duties, which is massive. Um, we'll touch on that soon. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to talk about the team totals, and this should be a pretty obvious one, but Collingwood being the most informed team in the comp, are the hardest to score against in fantasy. Um, Lions are just above average, giving plus 60 fantasy points as a whole, while the Pies are in negative 254. So what do, what do you take with that, Toddy? Um, what looks good to you on this slate? Um, yeah, I sort of saw that as well and noticed that, um, yeah, Collingwood don't give up many possessions anywhere. So I don't know, yeah. it's hard because it's at the Gabba and we know that, Brisbane, like we saw what they did to Melbourne until the lights went out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that sort of might bring it back a little bit. But I certainly don't love the fact that Brisbane, if you look at the um, stats accumulated, they're down the bottom. So they're playing the team that gives up the least. And in the first three weeks, they've accumulated the least. So mm. makes you wonder whether picking Collingwood favourable sides is going to be the way to go on this slate probably is the case given Brisbane they're about third or fourth in contested possessions that they give up so some of those Collingwood inside mids like Mitchell 
Um, obviously, Dugowie's playing pretty well at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of interesting because I'm a bit um, concerned that Brisbane might... Collingwood have got to have a down week at some point, I would imagine. And yeah, Brisbane, are Brisbane so good at the Kebba. I think it's important to know that they're both the top two teams for denying opposition players scoring 100-plus fantasy points. So <clears throat> the way I look at it on this slate is that I'm not sure if I, I'm i going to cop heaps of Collingwood stacks. With that being said, I, 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 just, I just like having maybe one or two premium mids from either side and then trying to fill the gaps. That's probably um, a strategy I'll be implementing. Um, not in every team, but just in a few of them. But yeah, I, I, it's just definitely something to consider knowing that both teams don't give up ton scores to multiple players, maybe just the one, or if you're lucky, the two. Um, so far, anyway, it's only round four coming up, so maybe you just ignore that, but I won't be. Um, and Collingwood, something to mention as well, Collingwood are giving up the least in the comp to backs, while Brisbane are relatively stingy too, so that's going to be hard to target. Collingwood are also the second hardest team to score against in the midfield, and Brisbane are smack bang on average there. But the forwards is where it gets interesting. Brisbane are top four for giving up fantasy points to opposition forwards. Well, as you can predict, Collingwood aren't giving up much. And lastly, the Rucks be very interesting with Darcy Cameron injuring his knee. Um, Mason Cox out as well. Uh, so we'll be see Daniel McStay stepping up to Ruck duties. And yeah, he's got that forward Ruck tag, which I was harping on about last week with Grundy. So this gives you a range of different angles you can take um, to play the slate, and I'm, I'm I really like that. I love the uh, ruck forward tag with a solo ruck. It means you can stack them both if you really want to. Yeah, for sure. I actually have a little uh, other way to go with the rucks. I reckon Ash Johnson's named starting in the ruck. I know teams aren't everything, but I watched that game against the Tigers. I know you did too, and he actually looked pretty good in the ruck. And if they want to keep their structure up forward with McStay, I could see that being a way they go, or at least sort of a 50-50 split. And him at 8K, scored 60 last week, looked good. He might be... I mean, I reckon the big O as well, like playing against two Ruckman that aren't Ruckman. Aren't Ruckman, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's it. (laughs) That's like, you could play Oscar McInerney in the Ruck and then put a bit of a mix of Johnson and McStay forward, favouring Johnson, I reckon, because I just think he's going to do a bulk of it. Because did you see that yeah. one where he jumped on um, Nankervis's head? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he got up. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was freakish. Like, he's a freak athlete. I reckon they might. Yeah. Because they're going to have to do something in the next six to eight weeks. Like, they can't really... That's right. They can't be mixing these guys up all the time and no. trying to invent stuff. So they're going to have to find someone who can do it. And I reckon maybe they've chose Johnson based on the teams they've picked. Maybe, man. Like, th- this is the thing. We're not the coach, but we can predict what's going to happen. And that's definitely a good angle to take. Um, they're going to have to figure it out probably this game, though. Because as you said, they're out without Cameron for a while. So they're going to be having to test and choose this game. What's what's going to happen? Maybe we see a bit of both. Um, definitely, I can I can see them sharing the the duties just to get an idea of how it's playing out. I don't think uh, I don't think it's, we're just going to see 
one of them take the the whole duty of being ruck. So, like you said, um, I like Ash Johnson, I like McStay, and I do like Big O coming against two dudes who've never taken solo ruck duties in their life. Mm. Um, and this is this is another reason why I love this slate. There's so many ways to play it, and we're just touching on the rucks, <laughs> and it's going to change your whole your whole team dynamic mm. depending on what you do with these rucks, <laughs> these three players. Yeah, for sure. Um, just having a look at the defenders as well. Like I know you mentioned there that both teams are quite stingy. I think you've got to try and target some of these cheaper guys. And yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Like Connor McKenna is still priced at an okay price, but he's been showing that he can't really peak above that sort of 60. Yeah. Stasevich got an 81 last week. We sort of spoke about him. Maybe um, going back there is an option. Um, and then yeah. looking even a little bit more expensive, um, Caden Coleman. He's um, had two pretty poor scores. That first one with the concussion and then back into the side last week. But I wouldn't get too concerned by that. But then again, they are playing Collingwood. So, yeah, it's yeah. hard. Couple, couple that I'm looking at is uh, Cam Rayner, um, nine and a, nine and a half k, yet to push 65, scored a 63, 55, 65. I'm looking for him to maybe have one of those games where you know he kicks a goal and then gets a bit more of it down back, depending if they swing him back and forth. Um, and then one to note is. Brennan Maynard um, used to be a pretty prolific scorer, busting out 90s a lot of the games. He scored a 75-37-71. I'm just, I'm just waiting for that game where he gets, he turns up or gets a 90. Mm. Um, he's 10 and a half. I played him in one last week. Um, I will definitely be trying to slot him in again somewhere i think john noble's maybe a bit too expensive but he's super well last year he was super consistent for an 80 um his scores this year haven't been super consistent but um apart from that uh nick dacos obviously is pushing near 16k but we know what he can do he is a genuine brownlow contender Mm. um i'll be getting a bit of nick but moving on to the mids um couple i'll start off with a couple to note there's there's quite a lot to know here actually um will hoskin elliott um 8k 72 68 24 i really like him as a cheap option he is the cheapest mid option on the slate i'll be playing quite a bit of him i reckon um and then i'll kick off by saying jared berry um 10k i know we spoke about him last week i'm ready for him to explode again um with a ton uh, he's super capable of it, and even last year, um, last year's games when these two clashed, he scored a ton. Yeah, I really like the Hoskin Elliott pick. People are going to get spooked at the twenty-four last week. I reckon. I mean, a lot of people will play him, I'm sure, but that game was wet, like literally just not his conditions. He yeah, he relies right. on hitting up and getting marks on the on the wing and. Just wasn't one of those kind of games. Richmond don't play like that. Um, yeah, I I definitely will be having a lot of him. Um, Jack Crisp is priced way too far down. Like this is a guy we're talking about that was scoring consistently over a hundred last year. I know there's um, Tom Mitchell in the side now, but 
you, he seems like the standout around that price point. There's obviously Zorko there as well, but I'd still be more relying on Crisp. And then you got McCluggage, who has obviously also been pushed yeah. out a little bit by Dunkley. But once again, 11.8K, another guy that we were talking about last year that was completely dominating games. Like, he's going to score 100 regardless of where he's playing at some point. So I, yeah... Those guys, those two in particular, Crisp and McCluggage, are probably good ones to target this week at those prices. Yep, yeah, definitely. Um, and going up, um, Dugowie, good history against the Lions. I love him even at 14K. He's probably a top three mid in the comp at the moment going off, you know, statistics in general, the eye test. Like, he just looks like a freak in there. Really like Dugowie at 14K. Um, and also Lockie Neal, um, goes without saying this guy's a champion of the game, uh, but he has scored a ton in every game bar one in the last three years against the Pies where he short, he fell short by five points. So, um, Lockie Neal would definitely be on my radar as well. Yep. Not like all of those. And I suppose just to add to it, to make it even more difficult for people, I think, Tom Mitchell's another one you got to consider because he's been scoring more and more every week, 84, 98, 103. I mentioned how Brisbane are giving up a lot of contested possessions. That's his bread and butter. He could easily explode for like one of those ceiling scores that we know he's capable of. Yeah, and even looking at his statistics here, um, it's super consistent. Four, five, and five for the tackles. So he's, you know, generally nearly averaging five tackles a game um and then the marks he scored three he scored three marks every game um and then the kicking and handballing stats are all relatively similar too so what you're getting with this guy is consistency uh you've just got to pray that he is that one player on Collingwood or the two players that bust out a ton um and he is definitely priced well at 14 and a half for that I think um the stat you touched on there is the marks. That's where he's... Because, like, we're talking about a guy that was a 120 guy, like, consistently. I'm pretty sure he averaged that one year in fantasy when he played for the Hawks. Hawthorne. Mm. Um, and that was purely through little hit-ups. Now, Collingwood don't play that style anymore. Yep. So, it's he's not getting as many, but that's not to say one night they might he might just be the best option to hit up when they don't have many other places to go. So I feel like he's definitely capable of getting that marks stat up. And that's yep. where you'll get your extra sort of 15 points yeah, potentially. for sure. Um, looking at the other mids, just touching on that, because that's a really good um, a good insight you had there with the old, he, when he used to play for Hawthorne, he got heaps of hit up marks and that was the 20 to 30 point differential there with all the marks and extra chip kicks he was getting. Um, obviously was the standout player at Hawthorne too, which helps. And moving on forwards, uh, we've touched on um, Ash Johnson and Daniel McStay being good forward options. Are there anyone else that you, you've been looking at here that well, you like? It's a bit of a shame that Hoskin Elliott isn't up here this week because he has been. But obviously, yep. like Dunkley, you got to play a bit. He was back to his best last week. He's gonna, you're going to see him at higher prices than that throughout the year. 
Lincoln McCarthy is another one that's got to bust out a score at some point, but is it going to be against Collingwood? I don't know. Brody Majek was really good for me last week. Um, 75 was like sort of the perfect score really for what he was priced at. And if he gets to that again, 8K is fine for him. Um, Bo McCreary's actually started the year quite well. Um, He's good for a goal every game. Yeah. And he tackles a lot. Like, he tackles a lot. Like, I don't mind it. Yeah, he might be one you could sneak into a few. Eric Hipwood, been so bad this year, but, like, definitely capable. Um, I just worry that Collingwood's back line is probably a bit too good. And I think you pointed out that... um, it's Brisbane that are giving up a lot of the points to forwards, so maybe even like a Jamie Elliott to get off the hook a bit. Um, he yeah. had an 80 last week. He's only 9.4K. There's a lot of value in I, the forward line. I think I play Jamie Elliott in every single single game Collingwood slate I have because his price does not move from 9.5K, and we all know his ceiling is like a 120 when he kicks six. Mm, yeah. And he can also, he can also play... Mid-time as well. 100%. Like he's actually yeah. not, you know, like I, I love Jamie Elliott. I think he's a great player and I'm, I'm glad he's back um, from all those back injuries. As much as I hate to say it because Collingwood are doing well and Deck won't shut up about mm. it. But um, it's good to see Jamie Elliott be fit and healthy because um, he's great to watch. And in your Brisbane favoured teams, I'd get a bit of Charlie in because he's got to play a yeah. good game eventually. Surely. And he's more I likely mean, he... to do it at the Gabba. He plays well there. Yeah. So he um he turned up. I think he had a bag of five or six. Um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but he yeah he had a bag of five or six against Collingwood within the last couple of years. So I don't mind you know sprinkling him him in, into a couple of teams hmm, for sure. And Jack Gunston. And you got Reece there as well at basement price. He's uh Yeah, unsure about that. Yeah, was he the sub last week? He had twelve. So yeah. he must have been. I'm thirty six the week before. I'm not sure if he was sub then, but And that's the thing, if he was the sub coming on, he's quite possibly the sub coming off. Yeah, one hundred percent. So just be wary of but that. At the same time, like I don't think you can think like that too much because like how many games do we see where they actually are able to use it as a strategy? Like I feel like at least 80% of the games this year, there's been an injury and they've had to activate oh, the subs. So yep. I wouldn't read too much into that, but like, yeah, it's definitely sort of a flag. You'd be sweating if he's not scoring well and then they haven't had an injury. He's probably going to come off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's about it. Is there anything else you want to cover from that game? No, I'm good, man. I reckon uh, we've got it all there. I mean, we've probably covered pretty much every player. So <laughs> it's, um, but, you know, there's blokes we're higher on than others, and that's pretty obvious. Um, I think we've made that pretty obvious. So hopefully people can take a bit out of this and, yeah, have a good night tomorrow night. For sure. Yeah, think about those um, those rucks boys because and, and girls because uh, the, the big O, McStay and Ash Johnson, that whoever, whoever gets that right, whatever combination they're going with there or fade, um, they're going to take it home. Quite literally, that's um, that's gonna that's gonna um, that's gonna be a big uh, impact on how the slate plays out. But that'll do it from us tonight, guys. I hope you enjoy the content we provided and have been providing over the last better part of a month. 
Going forward, we're keen to release two podcasts a week to Spotify, but also keep an eye out for our scheduled Twitter spaces, which is our second instrument we use to project our thoughts and ideas with you guys. Um, it also allows us to engage with you guys, answer questions that you may have, and um, you can even request a chat with your microphone button. So that'd be pretty cool to get some people in there. Um, so follow us on Twitter at Hills and Fantasy, and we'll see you there. Good luck tomorrow and over the rest of the weekend. Enjoy your Easter, stay safe, and don't forget, gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm.